Why is it that every time I bring up my favorite movie or song, y'all call my shit corny? You act like I don't have no taste and no flavor. I'm a Luddite or some bullshit like that. What kind of particular shit is that? It's the shit I like. That's what I like. That's my type of shit. You know? Why don't you know y'all supposed to just say something nice? It's showtime. Welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast. Film, TV, and music news, discussions, and reviews from a multicultural point of view. In addition to our Say Something Nice challenge, in which we challenge each other to say something nice about the best and worst in pop culture. Be sure to check us out at SSNpodcast.com and on all social media under the handle at SSNpodcast. Our show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Acast, TuneIn, and wherever else great podcasts can be found. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and Stitcher so that more people can find our show. Thanks, and here we go. Okay. All right, so now that they have logged off, we're going to go ahead and do spoilers for Shazam. If you have not seen it yet, and most of you probably haven't, uh, I'm going to hold off on this part, but I got to talk about the shit. You know I do. So me and King going to talk about it. Here we go. All right, I thought it was weird that they made John Glover's role secret. Because the funny thing is there was a video, somebody asked him at a Comic-Con. He answered what he what he did in the movie. And Warner Brothers made, made, made that person take, take that part of the video out of the video. John, who's John Glover? John, John Glover plays Savannah's father. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause I he, guess. Because he also played um, Luthor's father on Smallville. Ah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's interesting that they would do that. Well, because I mean, you know I, how, like, how uh, Shazam and Superman are you know, basically connected. So are Savannah and Luthor, but the opposite. Lu- Savannah came first before Luthor. Mm-hmm. And I know Savannah's brother isn't Savannah's brother in the comics too. No, in the comics he doesn't have he um he has a, a wife and four children. I've never seen a brother of his. Okay. But yeah, Cause so because I, I know he has two kids who are like him and two kids who are like like, like his mom, like like their mom, like you know, like yeah. like uh, Magnificus and Beauty are blonde, tall, and pretty. And uh, Daddy is Junior in Georgia, basically look like their dad with in drag. <laughs> yeah. Wow, kid drag and um, little girl drag. <laughs> um, but yeah, so spoilers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the so I really my so my most of my favorite scenes don't have shit to do with superhero the superhero part. Uh, Billy and Freddie arguing at the table. <laughs> when um when Victor brings up the new superhero, <laughs> and it's like, well, maybe somebody needs to learn responsibility. Well, maybe somebody. <laughs> and then so that and then that leads to that whole sequence where, from the moment that after you know Billy um confronts Doctor Savannah at the mall, which is a great sequence in itself. And um, Victor and Rosa bring him home, and Victor starts laying into him, and the other kids listening behind the door. And Mary sees the news on as he's um, Billy Ashazam talking to Freddie, and she's like, "You guys, what is Freddie doing with us? What is what is 
that superhero doing with Freddy is like, what's Freddy doing with that superhero is the question. And he, she figures it out. She's like, remember when Billy and Freddy were arguing at the table like an old married couple? Mm-hmm. <laughs> about the, about about, uh, about this guy? And he, she sort of does like, the, do you get it? And the other kids are like... Like, you guys. <laughs> yeah. And you're always like, yes. Yes, no. I can finally say it. Are you figuring it out? You know, she's like, they're like, what? You knew it didn't say anything? I'm a good sister. Because the whole thing about Billy is telling her good sisters don't tell me her, don't tell big brother secrets. Right. <laughs> that and I then, loved it. Yeah. Then they then the kids go and they tell they they talk to Billy and tell him that he knew and that because Pedro found Billy's um notebook in the trash can. Where he was trying to find his mom, and, get, and they, he gave it to Eugene, and Eugene, you know, did some hacking shit and found Billy's parents. Yeah, and like the dad was apparently in jail in Florida, but the mom is who subway stops over, and so he, Billy. No broke. man, but the way wait when they came to the door, <laughs> when she was like, "Not so fast," <laughs> lowered expectations. Shantae's got a man at home. Yeah, because when when because Billy's like he's been waiting for this moment for like. 11 years or so. And so he gets right. to the door and it's like, this is his mom. And it's definitely her. And she's sort of, and then you realize like that she didn't want him and lost him on purpose. Right. Huh? Like, yeah, I saw you. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, holy shit, lady. I loved it. It was so dark. <laughs> yeah. You left this little boy all alone. And just it like. It was a rough day. You were a bitch. I was just like, I just didn't want to be bothered. My heart, cause like, and cause Asher sells it, like his, like the whole thing, and he's just like, he sells it, and cause he's like, I need to get back to my real family, and like, cause the mom had given him a compass when he was a little boy, he kept it, like his his one thing that he has, and he gives it to her, and he's like, I think you need this more than I do. I was like, that is a line. <laughs> she was all about trying to be, be be more important to her new man, whoever he is, than her actual child. Right. And, and of course, like I tell you in the theater, you know, in the comics, you know, the Bassins in whatever version are ba- are supposed to be dead. I don't know how this new fifty two version is because, like, apparently Billy's dad is alive in it or whatever. We don't know about the mom, but in the old comics, they died when the kids were like one. And so Billy and Mary went to, went to um, an orphanage, and then you know there's this whole thing about a rich lady's baby died, and the nurse swapped out the dead baby for Mary, which is why they didn't go to the same like orphanage, like they didn't stay together in orphanage and mm-hmm. in, fo- in like in like foster care or whatever. In the '90s comics with the power of Shazam, the parents were archaeologists, and then black like Black Adam's descendant got possessed by him and killed them both while they were in Egypt trying to find um, the tomb of Shazam. And Billy had to go stay with his uncle who stole his money and get him out on the streets. But Mary was kidnapped by um, Adam's descendant, Theo Adam, who gave him instead to his sister who was a nurse for a childless couple. And sort of kind of like, you know, this this can be your kid. Mm-hmm. In this version, like I was telling you, Billy and Mary probably aren't related, but the idea that Billy's parents are not only alive, but the mama doesn't want him, that is a good, that's a good movie thing because it strengthens the whole family plot. Mm-hmm. But like, so I've already seen like people, like 40, 50 year old comic book nerds who are angry about this movie for following like the New 52 thing and not 
for not having uh, Savannah doing like that <laughs> thing and all that kind of stuff. And they think that Billy's too old, even though if you read Shazam comics, they're supposed to be 14 or so. Like, they're supposed to be very small children. Like, Billy was just old enough to have a little bit of responsibility, but not old enough to be super, like, ad, like adult. So he could be anywhere really between 14 and about 22, really, to be honest with you. And the yeah. story still works. He had to be like a like a little kid. Like when he's in these animated versions, he's like ten because they read the Power of Shazam when he, when he is ten. It like it throws the whole thing off to some degree. Jerry always did that because he wanted his fourteen year old ability to be a veteran hero already, mm-hmm. so that he could avoid sort of kind of what this movie has to do with all of like the I'm trying to figure out my power stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of weird the curve the learning curve that. That Billy has, and that Savannah didn't have one. Like I know somebody mentioned that in their reviews, but I think it's because I mean Savannah's the, older, and well, he's been no, researching for not, decades. It's not only that Savannah had the seven deadly sins leading him. Yeah, he was being possessed basically, and like and like Billy was telling him, "They're using you." And I really yeah. like. We'll get to the to the end sequence. In the second. only thing I didn't like, I didn't see here, but I still liked. But I mean, I think it comes across is you don't have to be. Being pure of heart doesn't mean being the goody two shoes. Right. I don't. I think that message is still there, but it's not as strong as it was in the comics. Yeah, it was. Like Jeff Johns hit you over the head with the fact that good, like perfect people don't exist. People try to be good, and if you mm-hmm. have like the embers of good, is basically the best you can expect from human beings. Mm-hmm. Like any, I mean, that need to be hit over the head with that comic because people, everybody was so angry at Billy Bassin being, you know, like a, a ragamuffin and being sort of kind of like, you know mean to his um to the orphanage lady and stuff like that people had fits but for like and like i had a i had a little bit of i don't know in the middle when he got his powers still was like that but i knew from that first chapter like the little text part of it this is what (coughs) jeff johns does he starts a character in one place so he can end them in a different place Mm -hmm. but billy's billy's such an old character that he really hasn't been given that level of character development in his stories like that because people are afraid to mess with the formula because, mm-hmm. you know, you get those angry letters from, like, 50-year-old nerds who read Shazam back in whatever, you know, in the golden age or whatever. Yeah. But I feel like you got to make them human beings, for Christ's sake. You do? And, my, and that's just good storytelling, but you're right. Most right. of the times in comics, that doesn't happen because they have to, you know, they're so tied down by pre-existing lore. Yeah. And with- it, it, Shazam was one of those rare occasions where... I hate to say it, even though you have some diehard fans, uh, they are they aren't diehard in the sense of buying the book, uh, or weren't in the past. So he does have the freedom to mess with you. Yeah, you know the origin a bit. You can only do so much with Superman. It's like, hmm, are we going to let Mom and Pa be alive for the next twenty five years or not? You know? <laughs> and that, I, I mean, that's yeah. I feel like you can do. I, I feel like Bendis is showing them you can do more with Superman. You just have to take some risk and make some people mad. <laughs> well, anything you do is going to make people mad, right? With a, with, with a, and a popular pre-established character. Yep. And Shazam but, um, is unique because that character is so defined by his forties, fifties, like success and persona that every time they bring him back, they have to contend with. We have to make it to address sort of kind of like the feel of an old comic in some form or fashion. So everybody has had a different approach to that. Roy Thomas said, fuck it, we're, go- we're not going to do that at all. Jerry Ortway said, 
Let's do some vintage stuff, but let's make it 60s Marvel vintage, not 40s Fawcett vintage. Jeff Johns of the new series, what he's doing now is trying to figure out what would Fawcett comics be like if they had stayed in publication through the silver and mod and bronze and modern ages. Like, mm-hmm. take that style and bring it forward. Don't try to do some retro stuff, but bring what they were doing forward instead. Yeah. Because, I mean, having a retro, um, it just it wouldn't really work. I mean, it works, but it, it's, it's, I don't know, it wouldn't work in the same universe. Like that, whole, what was that, the idea they had where Fawcett was like frozen in time? Yeah, in the 90s, the Jared Rory thing, like, because like in his book, it was like everybody was still wearing hats and, you know, like, like um, skirts to the mid-calf and like basically like 50s fashion stuff. It was because in his, in his version, the Wizard Shazam so loved Fawcett City in 1955 that he froze it in time. Like, well, he said time slowed to a crawl, so everybody still had that old style. As a African-American and somebody with a mother and a sister, I was like, so how does this affect racism and women's rights? But right. somehow they still had a black mayor in this, like, throwback town. So, I mean, it's a comic book, you know, I know, but, like, you freeze a town in 1955. I have questions. I'm sorry. I just do. Mm-hmm. That's the same year as, like, you know, like, that's right after Brown v. Board and everything. <laughs> um, but, yeah. And, of course, in, like, the 70s DC comics, they basically had where Savannah had frozen everybody in time in 1955 himself. And they were just floating around and the sun melted a little bubble and, and um, the Marvels pushed it back to Earth. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so the, so basically Billy, Mary, and Freddie were kids from the 40s living in the 70s. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't quite work either. <laughs> so, it's, so making it feel more modern while still... Because even this movie and the comic, there's a lot of that 80s feel to it without it mm-hmm. being set in the 80s. It's very obvious they're trying to do like some like... Back to the Future, Amblin, Goonies, Gremlin stuff, down to, like, Benjamin Wallfish's score, which is all orchestral. Like, you know, he just, him and Hans Zimmer did the score for Blade Runner 2049 with all the synth stuff and everything. So I thought it would be like that. No. There's not a electronic instrument anywhere in that score. It is all from um, the London Symphony Orchestra. And it sounds great. Mm Um, what else did I want to say that's super spoilers? The Seven Deadly Sins. You had mentioned, we had talked about in the theater that, you know, you didn't like the fact that they didn't do lip sync on them. Like, they can eat people and stuff, but they don't talk with their mouths. They sort of kind of, I guess, like, telepathically tell everybody what they're saying or whatever. Like, they, through gritted teeth. Yeah. And I was telling you, that's a choice. Not It's not really, a, it's not because they didn't have the technology. It's because they decided... They're statues and they're monsters, so let, let's just have them sort of kind of like talk with gritted teeth. They and they look like um, what was like they look like the characters in Ghostbusters. They, they look like um, what's the Gozer? They look very Gozer sort of gremlin-y, like, like definitely like a throwback like design mm-hmm. for the sins. And I gotta admit, I I love the 
the like how gruesome some of them look. Like the one that was supposed to be for gluttony. Yeah. They had a stomach that was a mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and he was coming up behind Mary. I'm like, this is scary as shit. Yeah. So the board it's the boardroom room scene. So when Savannah gets his powers, he goes that, that scene was awesome. Yeah. He he could And I and you know what? I even though I feel like that scene would sell the movie, it would it, it's like one of the best scenes in the movie. You wouldn't want to give it away. Right. He goes to so what we learn, we what we could we are told without it being told is that even though Savannah has a little bit of money, you know he's running this research program, and also the lady who plays assistant who got ter- who got Thanos when she touched mm-hmm. the door, that's um, David Sandberg's wife, um, um, Lota um, L- Lawson. He always oh, casts okay. her in his movies. I was trying to figure out. I was like, I know her, but yeah, that's that's his wife. So he killed his oh, okay. wife in this whole movie. <laughs> wow. Oh. Uh, and I love how Savannah thought, made, her, made her think that she was like researching mass hysteria, <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh no, this is what I've really been doing, trying to gather all this information so I can figure out how to get back to the Rock of Eternity." Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love how his little speeches, how he tells the wizard, "I realize I'm not pure of heart, and I don't care. I just want the power. <laughs> so this is good enough for me." <laughs> and like. Because also, I was telling you in the theater, they didn't release any pictures of Mark Strong with his, with the glasses, the Savannah horn, like um, um, round circle glasses on. So when he showed yeah. up in the, his first scene with them on, I literally had an out of body experience. Like, oh my God, it's Dr. Savannah! So, Brandon, <laughs> speaking of which, how did you feel about them dudes coming up behind us saying, you guys really made the movie better for us? Oh, fuck them white people. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't catch the shade. You heard me. He got mad because I said, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm like, you You were a little, you were a bit loud. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I know, but at the same time, I don't think you were that bad. I think I, I didn't set up and shot like I thought I might. <laughs> I kept it in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Savada goes, his father is still much richer. He's And he runs this big Savannah Industries business. And mm-hmm. he, he goes, to, he just barges into the boardroom because his brother is works on the board of directors, but Savannah isn't part of the company at all. And he tells us about how his brother and his father basically, you know, made his life miserable and always made him feel like he was never good enough. And that, you know, like, that I'll never be as powerful as you, but look, this is real power that I have now. And unleashes the um, seven deadly sins on the boardroom. And they start eating people, throwing people against the glass. And the little attendant said, standing there, he's like, what's going on in there? And he goes over to the door, and Lenny, bam, on the glass, and gets eaten immediately. I'm like, come on, party smash him with this horror. <laughs> But the thing that gets me is if that scene, even though it seems simple, it's hard. It like it can be hard that whole frosted glass like killing people mm-hmm. thing. It can be hard to pull off because not everybody does it well. Yeah. But they, it's like he didn't even have a lot of blood to do it or like splatter or anything. But he achieves the effect so well. Yeah, he does. Now, when they were throwing motherfuckers out the window? Yeah, he threw his brother out the window, which I feel like it's a, sort of a call. But so when Black Adam in the comic is based on, because like basically the comic he's based on, Black Adam is the main villain. Savannah's sort of kind of the sidekick villain. Mm-hmm. Like, Black Adam r- learns that there's this rich douchebag who's laid people off. And he's like, oh, so Pharaoh still controls slaves in this world. So see Savannah, the world's not changed that much. So he flies up, throws the dude out the window, and he's like, slaves, you are free. 
Which doesn't work, of course. He doesn't realize that. So I, I, that reminded me of that. But he literally threw his own brother straight out the fucking window. He's like... Because <laughs> it's like his his villainy is very focused. It's not. He's not trying to basically destroy everything until he, until Billy basically pisses him off. And he's trying to force Billy to give his power up by, you know, threatening people at the carnival later. He's like, I know where the fuck I'm going first. It's to go see my father, my brother, and kill them off. Then I'm going to go see whoever this champion is who has the, the true power of Shazam, who's more powerful than I am. Because I'm getting that shit, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I and like I I love the like the scene where Billy's on the um subway and he and it takes him to the Rock of Eternity. First, the people like they they turn to Thanos dust and fly and just just disappear. <laughs> and when it stops at the rock and he he looks out the out the door and looks at the map. <laughs> looks like out the door. <laughs> right. Where am I? And Jimin Hansu and his and his um his um his hot comb. <laughs> Somewhere in that rock is a hot comb. <laughs> it just was like laid out. Stop it. All of my brothers and sisters dead. Killed by the seven sins. Their thrones wait for new champions. <laughs> Touch the staff. Gross. <laughs> Touch my staff, say my name, and let my power flow, flow, flow through you. Gross. <laughs> that was that was funny. Yeah. And touch my touch my staff, say my name, and let my power yeah. flow. And one flow one thing about the trailers that I did not like after seeing the movie, like. Zachary Levi gives like this very rangy performance of like highs and lows, and they cut all the highs out, put all the highs in the trailer. I yeah. thought he was gonna be manic the whole movie, but he's not. He's he has like it's like a he, he does a well balanced performance out of mm-hmm. it. And I love how he's on the subway and like it's this I feel like is like a reference to the, the the pimp in Superman one who's like, man, look at that bad cape. <laughs> Like the, oh, the black when he dude. Wakes up with the black guy standing over Yeah. Him? Man, you got on an outfit, baby. It shouldn't work, but it does. Red suit, gold boots, white cape. <laughs> He's running around all befuddled, like, what's happening? But his book bag. And then, like, the, the little testing power sequence. I hope they paid that little white boy who had been at the floss dance. Because they sure kept that shit. Because Zachary's on Twitter saying they'll probably... Did he shot alternates with other dances? They'll use one of those instead. But they kept the floss. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love how it was edited. I, I love... I especially love that the first thing... Um, they used the school books for target practice. <laughs> Algebra! Bam! Science! Bam! Social studies! Bam! Like somebody don't have to pay for that. Yeah, yeah, they definitely are our tax money. <laughs> um, that's how you know I'm old. I'm thinking, nigga, they had, I remember having to pay for a book in school. That's just <laughs> and um during the during the little power testing sequence when it was like test for teleportation powers, and then Freddie's like secret test of fire. <laughs> and he says about this says Shazam on fire. <laughs> 
Like, all of that was so good. A lot of pieces of that were in the trailers, but it worked so well in the movies. Even, like, the scene with, like, the um the bullets and the whole, you know, like, um, you have bullet immunity. I'm bulletproof. Shoot him again. Yeah, yeah, shoot me again. <laughs> He's like, ooh, Wait, we didn't need to know if it's you that's bulletproof or the suit. Shoot him in the head. Yeah, shoot me in the... Wait, what? <laughs> Like, all that shit hit so well for me. Even the whole idea of um, Billy turning into into Shazam to check him and Freddy out of school. Uh, and then when they when they were getting all the, the Dr. Peppers out of the um, vending machine and Billy had to go to the bathroom, he had to change back to go to the bathroom and then change back because Shazam, the one dude, runs out. And that they end that sequence with them on top of the um the Rocky, the museum steps. And he's like, man, this is a great view. I can see why Rocky trains so hard to get up here. <laughs> I think that was the one day, like one day they shot with the main actors in. Oh gosh. Hold on, you guys. I need to get Kim back in here. Huh? There you go. Okay. All right, cool. All right. I was talking about the end of the um, train sequence where they're on top of the Rocky Steps. Uh, the, like the one day they actually shot in Philadelphia. <laughs> where'd they shoot it? Uh, Toronto. Oh, okay. They went to Philadelphia for a week. They shot with... I think they had a weekend to shoot with the principals, but they spent the rest of the week getting um, uh, plate shots because a lot of like a lot of the CGI was used to swap out t- Toronto backgrounds to swap in Philadelphia backgrounds. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Yep. But yeah, like all that. And then, of course, when Billy decides he's, he doesn't want to go to school anymore because Freddie's basically, you know, like wants to like use his powers to make um, the Briar brothers, his bullies, um, more impressed with him. So he won't be like considered a nerd at school anymore. And Billy's like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that shit. And so he doesn't show up to like this arranged thing where. Shazam is supposed to show up for Freddy at lunch to show that they're really best friends. And so mm-hmm. the bullies give Freddy a suitcase wedgie <laughs> where they where they give you a wedgie and carry you around like a suitcase. He's like, and these used to be by the underwear. He's like, these used to be my underwear. And <laughs> Billy at Shazam is like, gross. <laughs> and Freddy, of course, you know, reads him the riot act about how he's, how he's not a real superhero because he doesn't, he's not a real hero. He's just, you know, using his powers to get money by, you know, taking his, um, his, uh, what do you call it? Um, his, um, what do you call them things that play music? Um, jukebox? It's not a jukebox. What do you call them? Like the, like the Apple HomePod, like one of them things, whatever that, them things are called. The speakers, his personal speaker playing the mm-hmm. Eye of the Tiger and doing the hands, lightning from my hands, <laughs> lightning from hands. Yeah. And charging for autographs and photos. <laughs> and Billy's Meanwhile, he's done nothing. Yep. And Billy's just like, you just wish it was you. And he's like, yeah, no shit. I would love to have what you have. And I would be a better hero than you. That was one of the things on my checklist I, I hoped they would, they would actually address. I'm so that. glad he didn't just walk away. He was like, no shit, nigga. Yeah. I'm like, crippled. Yeah, because like the whole thing, Freddie is, you know, he is disabled. Like you have to address the fact that, you know, this 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 able kid who knows everything about superheroes. His new foster brother becomes a superhero, 
but it's not him. He has to feel the jealousy and sort of kind of mm-hmm. like, like the envy of the whole situation. They addressed it. I'm really glad they did. They also, I got my check mark for um, some holy moly's here and there, mm-hmm. which I, I know when Jeff Johns wrote his new Tushas Am, he didn't use it at all. And I was, you know, kind of a little bit fell away about that, but there's definitely some holy moly's in there. The bus, the bus save was, so, it was so awesomely put together. <laughs> Cause like they showed you like a lot of times, like, in these movies, it's so weird. Like, people go over the side of, like, a thing like that. They all stay in their seats somehow. Mm. <laughs> and this first, people are falling, hitting the glass. <laughs> and when, when Billy finally catches the bus, he's, like, face to face, glass to face with the that Asian dude inside the bus. And he's like, oh, I caught it! Yeah, that was a funny, that was a great gag situation. <laughs> yeah. And then the dog is sitting there, doggy, get away, shoot! Be a good dog, him. <laughs> And then Savannah shows up. And then the fight starts. It, was it really a fight? It, uh, it was the ass whooping starts. He flew Billy up into the stratosphere and, and dropped him. He's like, I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly. I gotta fly. I gotta fly. Superman. 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 Which arm is it? <laughs> and the way they cut, like, like him land, like him not landing on his face, but, like, learning to fly, like, seconds before he was about to go splat. I love the fact that the how to cut, they held the black screen just a second longer than they would have regularly. So you're like, what happened to him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he he learned to fly. Then they had the mall sequence with all, like, him with Billy throwing shit at Savannah and none of it get working. Get him, Batman! You get him, Batman! <laughs> and then the big jokes, I was like, I heard they're gonna do a big joke. I was like, how are they gonna fit that? Like dancing on the piano, but you know, he just sits there, he, he just lands on the piano, he hits some of the notes, and then Savannah comes up and hits, so he's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course he turns back into Billy and goes high in the crowd, like like just like in the comic book. But Savannah notices Freddie, who's been trying to and once he saw Billy was getting basically beat up. I've been trying to find. He's like Billy, Billy. Savannah sees the news footage of of, of Shazam and Freddy together, and goes and back at this child and threatens the child's life, mm-hmm. and to get him to um take um him to the house. And I I I loved and hated the fact that it was Darla who opened the door and um when um Freddy and it's Freddy and fucking Savannah. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they made a a plausible movie way. To have it be where this grown man is menacing all these children, because <laughs> it's already so right. weird. In the, it's not weird in the comics because you you uh, you learn why because he because Savannah knows Billy's secret at early, but it's always just a, a ridiculous image of this forty something year old man, you know, trying to kill this this teenage boy all the time mm-hmm. before he you know before he can say one word. <laughs> I know, I know. Be quiet. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, fuck them kids. Yeah. <laughs> you see that meme that I found? Yeah. Where somebody took the Michael Jordan meme, uh, meme of fuck them kids and applied it to Savannah. <laughs> and I love... It's so... Mark Strong's performance in this is so good. My favorite scene of his is when Shazam, Billy and Shazam finally comes home after, you know, the, the epic jump off the roof thing after he realizes his mom isn't... Go, it doesn't want him. After, mm-hmm. See, after he decided he would never see the world again, but he went to go see his mom, realized his mom doesn't want him, and then Savannah calls from Freddie's phone. 
And Billy gets there, and the whole thing about how old are you actually? Basically, 15. And he takes his head, he's sort of kind of looking at him. You're supposed to be a champion. <laughs> the whole thing. That shit was so good. <laughs> Mark Strong did a lot with a little. Yes, he did. <laughs> And so he forces Billy to take to go back to the Rock of Eternity and take the wizard staff and like basically transfer the powers. And then all the other kids come with all of their weapons to try to, to throw shit at Savannah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mary had her bath book. <laughs> One of them had a lamp. And Darla said, And we're gonna keep throwing things at your big ugly face until you let Billy go. <laughs> And that's, of course, when Billy, because, um, like, he had, here at least the sins, Savannah, and he gets hit by some rocks, I think, because Billy said his word, and the rocks came down. And he realizes that when Savannah doesn't have the sins in, you know, in his, possessed in his body, he's a regular person. He he got hit by the battering. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Freddie's battering, yeah. And then, like, they, you know, like, um, Billy, like, stabs him in the back with it. And then him and the kids run off, which is, like, this very well-done Spielbergian sequence of him and all these kids, like, running away for their lives through this, like, twisty, pretty rock of eternity and, like, all those doors. I love the fact that who op- – was it Eugene opened the door and saw – or saw all the crocodile men? I can't remember. That was neat. Yeah, because, you know, that's from – that's, you know, the crocodile men are from the comics. Mm-hmm. I think it was him. Yeah, and then Pedro opened the door. And it's like 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 an alien like um thing. <laughs> so mouth came out and he had closed it. <laughs> and then Shazam was like, "No more doors. Don't open any more doors." <laughs> and I forgot to mention that during the training sequence, um, Billy tried to see if he can get into a strip club, and he could. And he's mm-hmm. like, he comes out like. We're going to need more money. Why? They were very convinced, persuasive. <laughs> and so when Savannah's coming and, Mar- and Mary's like, how did you get out last time? I just thought of the subway. And she, they're like, think of a, another place besides this where we'll be safe. And he teleports all these children into the strip club. <laughs> Mary is like, Billy, really? Really, Billy? <laughs> Darla, why can't I see anything? Because you're too young to see anything. They had glitter in there. I like glitter. Can I have some glitter? <laughs> and then the carnival stuff. The carnival stuff is all awesome. A little long, but all awesome. You know, Billy is at first fighting the seven sins by himself. And he's he's turning back and forth from Billy to Shazam and back and forth to try to use his lightning bolt as a weapon against some of them. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was smart. That was very smart until Savannah caught his ass and tried to drown him. <laughs> yeah. I heard, like, some people on Twitter were saying that their little kids were in the theater yelling Shazam for him, like Tinkerbell in a, in a Peter Pan play. <laughs> really? Yeah, like little kids see the movie, say Shazam, Shazam, it's not breaking! Because Billy's underwater and he can't speak. He's yeah. trying his best. And Ma- Mary sh- uh, shoots that BB gun at him to distract him long enough for Billy to get up, catch his breath, and say his magic word. And that shit must have been a nightmare to film, though. All that back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like, because they got to be in the exact same position and everything. You got to has to be edited together properly. That's some impressive ass shit, because I didn't think they'll be doing that much back and forth Billy Shazam stuff. <laughs> But that was all really well done. 
And then, of course, when um, Savannah kidnaps all the rest of uh, Billy's family with the seven sins and is going to force them, he, you know, gets the idea to uh, basically, like, knock Savannah out just long enough to give the rest of the kids his um, their powers. And you get that awesome shot of all the unannounced actors in their Shazam outfits. Michelle Borf as Mary. Uh, Ross Butler, Asian dude bro Reggie himself as Eugene. Uh, Adam Brody as Freddie. As Freddie. Uh, DJ Cotrona, which there's going to be a think piece, Cam, because DJ Cotrona is a dark-skinned white man. He's, a, he's Italian. He's not Latin. Mm-hmm. When people find out, it's going to be a think piece. I don't know if he, I don't know the last name tripped him up, but he is not Latin. Um, as Pedro and Megan fucking good. As Darla. <laughs> and listen, Megan Good's been in a lot of things. I have only ever liked her in Think Like a Man Part 1. Okay. This is my second, fa- second favorite thing she's ever done. She was so fucking good as superhero Darla. Doing the whole speedster thing, saving people, <laughs> and saving Santa. Like, wow, it's really you. My name is Darla, and I've been very good. <laughs> Like, she totally sold being, like, a nine- or eight-year-old little girl mm-hmm. in a superhero body. <laughs> they all did. Ross Butler with the fucking Hadouken. When <laughs> he was shooting the sense. <laughs> it was, like, it was so good. The only problem I had was that they didn't really give Mary a moment. She was the only one who didn't really have a moment like that. Yeah, rest, she everybody did. else did. Even Pedro holding up the um the Ferris wheel and Freddie saving his bullies and giving them witches. <laughs> hmm. And then of course Billy fighting Savannah off by himself. And the best part of that was you know, um, Billy tricking the last remaining demon who's possessing Savannah out of his body so mm-hmm. that you know he can basically like. Um, get somebody to revert to human form, you know, and take and, ca- and capture him. That shit, that's the wisdom of Solomon, basically, working mm-hmm. finally. That shit was so well figured out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that that would be, like, so the last th- uh, sin that Savannah would have inside him. Right, envy. Because that's what's, that's what's driving him in this whole time. He wants Billy's powers. Mm-hmm. And then the whole, like, you know, the town applauding. Santa Claus running for his life. <laughs> and then getting on the news and cussing on the news. Santa's cussing! <laughs> and then, who chose black music for that finale scene? Who chose Natalie Cole, This Will Be an Everlasting Love? Party Smasher, you're a goddamn genius! I was like, is that Natalie Cole? <laughs> you were. I was. That's some black shit to put in this movie. <laughs> and then, of course, the final scene where, you know, all the kids hate Freddie at school because of the mm-hmm. whole, you know, like, Shazam didn't show up and they're all making fun of him. And then his um, family comes and sits with him. He's like, what do you guys do? You have different lunch periods. Well, we made special arrangements. And then... 
Billy Ashazam comes in. Freddie Freeman, my best friend. This guy taught me everything I know about being an adult superhero. It's such a nice, heartwarming thing. And then put the cherry on that top. Is, that was so cheesy. Yeah, but it works so well for this mm-hmm. movie and for like the like the like the like emotional impact. He's like, and I brought a friend with me. That's okay. And carrying a school lunch tray with a milk on it comes fucking Superman. Shot from the neck down because it's not Henry Cavill. <laughs> They couldn't get the deal done. Couldn't get the deal done. Even though his his manager produced the damn movie. Oh, well. I think, but I almost feel like <laughs> it was better that you didn't see him. Yeah, because it, it might have, like, overwhelmed the whole thing. And then, <sighs> like, you, like, you get, like, the animated credits. I was hoping that they would give each kid, like, a single card billing, but they didn't. Only um, Jack Dylan Grazer and Astro Angel got it. The rest got double card billing. Hmm. But it, at least it was with their adult form, which made the um, end credits, uh, gave like an awesome way to do the end credit scene. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the end credit, the end credits animation, and then the end, the mid credit scene is, of course, Savannah. And this comes straight out of an old Fawcett comic Savannah in a cell using every brick in the cell trying to figure out mathematical shit or magic shit or whatever. I was like, that is freaking awesome. <laughs> and then you hear it. This tinny voice, silly little monkeys with your limbs and your writings on the wall and your cave drawings. I was like, no. I was like, that must be Mr. Adam, because I know it's not fucking Mr. Mind. And they cut and they pan over. And Ken, there is a green worm with a white belly sitting on the windowsill with a top box. And it's Mr. Mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never would have thought they'd actually do that. I was certain that, you know, they'd be like, we can't do this. This is too, too whimsical. A talking worm, we can't do that. There's a talking worm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and also the whole thing where they go back to the Rocky Eternity, like, you guys, you know what we've got here? A big, scary cave full of monsters and demons? No, we got a lair. A lair, we got a lair. What's a lair? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. And oh, then the, the, the final credit sequence, which isn't really like, it's not one of anything big. It's just like an extra joke about Freddy testing Billy's powers. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's been in the trailers by this point anyway. So like the whole talking to fish thing. But yeah, I enjoyed that shit. The marketing has <laughs> not been good. I feel like Warner Brothers in general has not been spending money on marketing this year. I don't know if it's the AT&T purchase that they cut the budget or whatever, because uh, Lego Movie 2 had the same problem. It got good reviews, but the marketing for it was not good. It did not make a lot of money. I barely, I barely, it came and went. Yeah, it did. And so with this, I don't know, maybe... Them opening like the review embargo earlier will help it without them having to spend a lot of money. They clearly don't do not want to spend on marketing costs. Mm-hmm. We will see. Um, I guess it depends also on how good Dumbo is, because Dumbo comes out this coming week. Shazam comes out next week. But we'll see what happens. But if if there's anything is a good sign, it's the fact that. Out of the movies that have had these sort of kind of these like Saturday, two weeks ahead of time preview screenings, 
Mm-hmm. Shazam is the highest grossing of all of them. They made $3.3 million on Saturday, which is more than Aquaman made when they did the same thing in December. And, huh. more, and more than Jumanji made when they did the same thing the December prior. Huh. I wonder why. And our theater was relatively empty. Yeah, but hey, Hollywood 24 um, is always empty, though. Like, oh, okay. I saw Wreck-It Ralph 2 in an empty theater twice in the same day, the weekend it was out. Huh. Or the weekend after. That, it was a hard theater to get to, too. Yeah, off, like, the exit ramp and everything. I wonder how they make money. Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, I'm looking. I hope it does well. I'm looking forward to more people seeing Shazam, more people reading Shazam, and to DC to finally take those old Fawcett comics, not the ones with, not the ones with Steamboat in them, please God, no, but the ones from the late '40s and early '50s that they have the black lines for, and reprinting them. Yeah, <laughs> it's not hard to do. If you're looking for somebody to do the coloring, I volunteer. Not volunteer. I offer myself as paid tribute to do it. But yeah, so that's been our sort of early review for Shazam. A little unfocused and a little bit of me like like giggling and yelling. So I hope you still enjoyed it anyway. Um, We will review it again with the full cast when they see it opening weekend. Because I really want to hear all these thoughts about the rest of it. Especially how it sort of kind of avoids superhero movie tropes and actually does some really good character work. And can I mm-hmm. say this? And this, hope this isn't controversial. This movie is better than Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel looks better, has more spectacle. This is a better film than Captain Marvel. Mm. Would you agree or disagree? I agree. All right. Yeah, I hope I hope people don't come in like. Sexism. I mean, I'm just. I'm. It's not that Carol Danvers is a better character than Billy Bats, and it's the movie. This movie is better written than Captain Marvel is. But yeah, so I hope we hear more good things about Shazam at the box office coming up. Um, as always, you can find us at all social media under the handle at SSN Podcast. You can find the Say Something Nice podcast on all podcast platforms. Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Acast, tune in, and wherever else great podcasts can be found. This has been the Safety Nights Podcast. I'm Brandon. And I'm Ken. And we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Ken, do you think Ken, do you think you should cut off the part about Savannah actually being one of the first um, people that that uh, the wizard? It's got? the first scene in the picture. <laughs> because I feel like as if that's a, I think that's, a, I feel like that's if that's a, that's a big. It's the first scene to... in the movie. Oh, but I don't, I don't think that by telling people that I don't know if that actually sells it. Yeah, it's sort of like like the. Okay, I'm, I'm getting those. Like the way I don't. This ain't a spoiler. The way that that scene is directed I, is very, very good and effective. I mean, I don't disagree <laughs> because obviously I haven't seen the movie yet. But I'm just saying, like, um, it would have been a nice thing to have been surprised that oh, he's not just a random evil bad guy. He's somebody who has a grudge for many, many years. And it's a neat concept. Like, yeah, all these children who were 
basically told you're not good enough. Right. Exactly. Like what happens to the people? Because it, when Brandon told me at first that the wizard has been trying to find somebody, a little question came up in my head. Um, you know, this is before he had told me that, yeah, Savannah would be one of the first ones. Like a question came in my mind, like what happens to the kids who get rejected? What happens to them? Do they forget? Do they, does, do they, does he put a spell on them to make them forget what, that they came there? Or do they just get chucked back like, like bad trout in a lake? To be honest, they had, they almost like, I mean, that they set up what could be like very interesting story. I know they're probably not going to go with it, but where you, where you start thinking about what happens to the children who are rejected, you know? Like, how do you go through life saying you're not worthy? Right. And that's, and that's, I mean, that's one of those themes. And that's what Savannah had to do with dealing with Furman's family. Everybody's rejecting him. Yep. And, you know, and he didn't get any redemption for his rejection, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Unfortunate. 